And uh, it's good to see you. Um, you know, each year it seems like the distinction in the holidays uh, seems to get blurred more and more. Uh, when Halloween arrives, the commercial world warns us that there's only 55 days left, uh, 40 shopping days until Christmas. And so they, they just move it right from one holiday to the next. You know, when I was a kid, it seemed like it took forever between Hall- Halloween and Christmas. It seemed like Christmas would never get here. But now it seems like it's just a blur between Halloween and Christmas. And it bothers me that Hollywood goes unchallenged when they blur the distinctions between the eerie Halloween and the holy, you know, the horror of Halloween and the charm of Christmas. And and all of it's done with a view towards the bottom line, which is money. It's all about the money. Have you noticed that I haven't mentioned the word Thanksgiving yet? Because there is in between Halloween and Christmas something called Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving comes right in the middle of that hubbub that comes between those other two holidays. It seems like people decorate their yards for Halloween. Something I don't remember doing that a whole lot when I was a kid. But they do that now. And then... They, they change it. Somehow it, it goes from that decoration to a, a Santa Claus on the front yard. But I, I don't know how it happens. There's a transition that takes place there. But lost in the center and the swirl of, of the hubbub of these two holidays, Thanksgiving becomes another stumbling block over which we must navigate on our way to the commercial chaos that we call Christmas. Oh, and it's chaotic. It's chaotic. See, many people focus on thanksgiving rather than thanksgiving. And that's really a problem. I mean, sometimes our thanking is very thoughtless. Jeff Carroll, he tells a story about attending the wedding of an acquaintance's son. And since they didn't know the bride or the groom, um, they decided to send them a practical household gift. So they sent them a fire extinguisher. You know, apparently the couple mass-produced their thank you notes because they received a card that said, thank you very much for the nice wedding gift. We look forward to using it soon. I mean, a fire extinguisher. But sometimes our thanking is so thoughtless. We don't, we, don't put, we don't take time to reflect. This short poem encapsulates the idea of thanksgiving. It says, thanksgiving is the harvest of the heart. After the fruit and the grain are stored away. The quiet season of remembering. The moment when we pause to praise and pray. I think that's huge when we talk about Thanksgiving. But listen, Thanksgiving, like Christmas, is entirely biblical. 
Let's move away from the chaos of the commercial, of the secular world, and let's talk about what is biblical. See, our pausing to celebrate is completely in keeping with the customs of our country, but also with Scripture. To pause and say thank you to Almighty God. See, the Bible abounds with examples of God's people giving Him thanks. So I say, let's give thanks for thanksgiving. See, one example appears in 1 Chronicles 16. I want to read just three verses there out of 1 Chronicles 16. If you have your scripture and would open it up. What you need to understand about this passage is the Ark of the Covenant had been captured by the Philistines. It had been brought back to the land of Israel. King David had made provisions for it. It, um, Someone had uh, grabbed a hold of it and and died as a result of that. And so it was taken and stored in the the house of a a fellow by the name of Obed-Edom. And, and, and they left it in there, and while it was in his house, in his care, his house flourished. Everything around him flourished. They finally had, had, had brought the, the, the Ark of the Covenant back to where it belonged. And so King David was giving thanks for this. He was making a a, a great thanksgiving to God. And towards the end of it, we have what we call the the, the song of David. He's giving thanks, David is, for what God has done. And I want to read in verse 34, 35, and 36. It says this in 1 Chronicles 16. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Then say, save us, O God of our salvation. And gather us and deliver us from the nations. To give thanks to your holy name and glory in your name. Excuse me, and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen. Amen. And they praised the Lord. Father, I thank you for this, your word. I thank you for scripture. I thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. And I thank you, Father, that you are Almighty God, the Creator. I'm thankful that you are the Redeemer, that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die for each one of us. I'm thankful, Father, for the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our guide and leads us and convicts us of the truth. So I pray that even now you would speak to each of our hearts. Father, for truly you are good. And your loving kindness is everlasting. Father, we love you and we praise you. Guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. See, this psalm, this song, 
it tells us that if we are to give thanks for thanksgiving, then I want to say first, we, we are to give. <laughs> we have to give something. We are to give. It's what verse 34 says. It says, oh, give thanks. David is encouraging the people, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. David said that God is good. God is good. And what does that mean? It means that God's essence and character are the epitome, the the height of goodness and righteousness. That God's character, that he is good. It's not he... He is good, meaning he is good throughout. That all of God and all that he is... All of his character is goodness and it's everlasting. It's righteousness. And so because God is so good, we are to give thanks to him. That's amazing to me. That God, the creator of all of the universe, loves us. That he is good to us. That he blesses us. You know, in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul wrote this. I'm going to begin in verse 18. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse for even though they knew god they did not honor him as god or give thanks But they became futile in their speculation and their foolish heart was darkened. Folks, unbelievers, they do not comprehend everything that they have came from the hand of God. They don't comprehend that. They don't understand that. They knew God, but they did not honor Him and they did not give Him thanks. And so their eyes were darkened. They don't understand the things of God. Therefore, they fail to respond to thanksgiving. You see, we offer thanksgiving to God because we know God. Because we love Him and we want to honor Him. And so we thank Him for what He has given into our hands. The unbelievers, those who don't know God, do not recognize Him. They do not respond to Him. And they do not give Him thanks. Is it any wonder why Thanksgiving is about feasting and football? They don't recognize Him. They don't respond to Him in the same way that we do. Believers, on the other hand, it says in Psalm 95, we enter His presence with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6 says, we bring our requests before him with thanksgiving. So why should we give thanks? Simply because we are God's creation. 
He made us. He created us. He gave us life. See, we should do nothing else and nothing less than give thanks to Almighty God. See, we do this by giving thanks to Him and by giving Him our worship. Because of His goodness, we rejoice in God's goodness. In the New Testament, the word that we get grace and Eucharist from is the word thanks. So when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, when we think about and we remember what Christ has done for us on the cross, as he, his blood poured out of his body for your sin and mine, as his body was broken for our sin, we remember and we give thanks. See, all of our existence, our life, our eternal life, <laughs> and our worship should evolve around thanksgiving. Giving thanks. In addition, we read here that his loving kindness is eternal. It's everlasting. It endures forever. So we experience his goodness because of his love that caused him to create humanity. That he is involved in the affairs of his chosen people. We love him and we, we worship him because his goodness and because he provided redemption for you and for me through the sacrifice of his one and only son, Jesus. His goodness compelled him to extend his presence to us through his Holy Spirit. His goodness enables us to give thanks. See, the essence and the essential response of God's people is to give thanks through our prayer, through our worship, and through our daily living. How do you express thanks through your daily living? How do you express thanks to God through your worship? How do you express thanks to God through your prayers? In John chapter 4, we have recorded for us the story of Jesus and his interaction with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And she met him there at the well. And in response to her question about the proper place of worship, Jesus replied this. He said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Focus in on that. In spirit and in truth. You see, Thanksgiving, like just about every other religious holiday has become so commercialized, so secularized, and so watered down by segments of society that have little or no concern for the real meaning of the holidays. Really, holy days, holy days have become holidays. And there's a huge difference. 
Feasting and football sells well in the secular world. But it's a far cry from the biblical intention of focusing on God as the recipient of our praise. See, in this passage, David, he helps us understand and recover the meaning of thanksgiving by focusing our attention on the true purpose of the day, which is to remember and to rejoice in the goodness and the love of God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. I love that. So we are to give. If we're going to turn thanks, uh, thanksgiving, if we're going to turn, give thanks for thanksgiving, then we're going to have to give. We're also going to have to gather. David tells us that if we're going to give thanks for thanksgiving, we have to gather. Verse 35 Then say, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us and deliver us from the nations. Understand that in this passage, the focus of our concern may be different from what it was in that day. In that verse, the people feared other nations from without. It's not always what's out there that creates fear. We have more to fear from what's within. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. I want to pull the the, the proverbial truck over and park it here for just a moment. We need a Savior. You know, when we were in Tanzania, I heard a message from Tom Henderson. And he was speaking out of Ephesians chapter 2. And this is what he said. He said, sin works against us. Sin works against us. Our sin and our transgressions. I want to read out of that passage for just a moment because this is very important. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear what I've got to say right now. Ephesians 2 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the flesh, the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, but we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And verse 4 says, but God. But God. But God. But God reached down and he rescued us from where we were. He sent his son to pay the debt that we couldn't pay. We got a reason to give thanks for God. But God, I mean, our sin works against us and and, and death separates us from God. In that he, there's brokenness and sin everywhere. You see it and I see it. We see it in our co-workers. We see it in our family. We see it in those around us. The brokenness and the sin. 
But folks, we have to see where we really are. We walk around with rose-colored glasses and we think, oh, everything's great, everything's hunky-dory. And we don't want to hear about sin. We don't want to hear about hell. We don't want to hear about death. But it's a reality. And if you don't know Jesus, then you have no peace. You're still in that brokenness. You're still separated from God. See, we've been rescued. I've been rescued from destruction. Eternal separation from God. See, we forget how bad it was. We forget how bad it is and we're coaxed into thinking everything's okay and we're fine. But the reality is we're not. We're broken, we're full of pain, we have sin in our lives and we need to repent. It begins with God's people. But God, God being rich in mercy and great in love, he made a way to forgive us. And so we find that freedom in him. And apart from him, there is none. I'm so glad that God adopted me. He rescues us by adoption. We've been rescued. We'll get back on the highway now. See, we need a Savior. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. And we need our Savior to do three things. From this passage, we need our Savior to save us. We need our Savior to gather us. And we need our Savior to deliver us. See, that's what he's giving thanks for. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Then say, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather us and deliver us from the nations to give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. See, the Israelites, they celebrated significant experiences and victories throughout their history. The Israelites saw and they understood that everything they had came from God. If the experience was negative and harsh, it caused them to consider how they may have sinned against God. I pause because sometimes we are bereft of the Spirit of God and we don't ever stop to figure out why the Spirit is not moving and working in us. Maybe we've quenched the Spirit. Maybe we've said no. Maybe we've said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be obedient. See, they understood that when things were negative and harsh, maybe it was, gave them pause to reflect on how they had sinned against God. If it was positive, they praised God, they celebrated with joy. But the Israelites gave thanks for God's deliverance. 
He delivered them from the hand of their enemies. Oh, we sang a song a little bit ago. I raised a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. You know why? Why do you raise a hallelujah in the presence of your enemies? Why do you say praise the Lord, hallelujah, in the presence of your enemies? It's because you've been delivered. It's because they have no power over you. That's what he's talking about. The Israelites gave thanks for God's deliverance. And see, here's what happened. This elevated him, God, above all of the neighboring people's gods, those little g-gods, those ones made out of rock and stone and wood, those that they worshipped. It served as a testimony of God's greatness because they were giving praise and glory to Almighty God and it caused their nations to fear because they had someone greater that they were worshipping. Someone who was in control. Someone who delivered them from their enemies. I tell you, that piece of rock, that piece of wood, that piece of metal could not do what Almighty God does. See, that further enhanced God's name and it brought fear and it brought awe and it brought respect from the neighbors who observed such celebrations in honor of a mighty deliverer. God. See, I say we've got reason to give thanks. We've been delivered. You know, consider this. A hen will gather her chicks and cover them with her body when bad weather threatens. And after the storm passes, the chicks will come out from under the protective wings of their mother and they will, they will do whatever chicks do all the rest of that day. But God does the same thing for us. He shelters us from the storm. He takes us in and he covers us and he delivers us. See, we have to be careful not to relegate Thanksgiving to a once a year celebration. Every day ought to be a day of thanksgiving. Surely in the midst of even the hardest and worrisome days, we can find something to be thankful for. I mean, someone said one time, if you cannot be thankful for what has happened, be thankful for what has not happened. See, God is our provider. Be thankful to Him. When you prepare your table, turn your table into an altar to Almighty God. Once again, David, he tells us that to give thanks for thanksgiving, we are to glorify God. Literally, this means to glory, to boast in his praise. Verse 36, blessed be the name Excuse me, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting. To give thanks, verse 35, to give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. See, things come full circle. Here God's people are magnifying him and glorifying him and praising him. They gathered together. They directed all of their praise and their honor, their thanks toward him for the grace that he had bestowed upon them. How did the Israelites praise God? Certainly through their worship. 
I mean, all that makes up a, a religious celebration. And I say religious in the best sense of that term. You think about Sunday morning, we come to this place. It's, we call it a worship service. Because we are here and we are worshiping the Lord. We are here, you know, all that makes up a religious celebration, the singing, the feasting, the sacrifice, the speaking, the rejoicing. These people did all of that in order to glorify God. The same things that we do in a worship service to praise God. These things are what the people did in David's day. What they did and what we do is to celebrate and to glorify Jesus, our Savior. See, when it comes to worship, sometimes I have a feeling that we don't really understand who is and who is in the audience. The thing about our church worship time may be misleading in the fact that there are microphones up here and there's lights up here. And so somehow we think that maybe the people up in front are performing for us. Some people up in front may have been confused about this. But the truth is, you aren't the audience he is. We are all presenting. We are all performing for Him. Those up here are simply leading. But it's all about us worshiping Him. That's worship. There's only one in the audience. See, we need to conclude this Thanksgiving message as the children of Israel declared in verse 36 with their amen. And it says, and then they praised the Lord. Notice that. Then all the people said amen and they praised the Lord. Understand this, that the word amen is not simply approval. They're not simply saying yes. It's a solemn and formal assertion that the people accept and agree to God's covenant, His covenant, along with all of its curses and blessings. So that you will be blessed in what you do in obedience, but you will also be cursed if you're not obedient. It's a solemn formal assertion that the people accept and agree to God's covenant. And all the people said, Amen. And they praised God. See, we along with our society are allowing the sacredness of thanksgiving to be sacrificed on the altar of profit where it has been turned into a, a folksy and warm and fuzzy secular holiday. We must recapture the specialness, the sacredness of Thanksgiving and Christmas. 
We especially need to be concerned with our time of thanksgiving that we not slip out of the moorings of our spiritual heritage. We are repeatedly encouraged in Scripture never to cease giving thanks and praise for who God is. For what God does. God's very goodness from everlasting to everlasting. We thank God for His character. For who He is. We thank God for His conduct. I'm thankful that we have a righteous God. A holy God. One whose judgments are righteous and holy. He doesn't play favorites. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank God for his compassion. I mean, it's only in the Christian faith that you find the idea of a compassionate, concerned, and involved God. Let me ask you a question as I wrap this up. Are you so blessed that small gifts are inconsequential to you? In other words, are you so blessed that the small gifts don't really matter anymore? Well, it's another fourth Thursday in November. We call it Thanksgiving. How many does that make for you? How many Thanksgivings have you celebrated in your lifetime? See, today, if you were to ask the person on the street what the word comes to mind when you say the word Thanksgiving Day, it's mentioned, they would probably say something like this. Football, turkey, Black Friday sales, holiday, and maybe even a general term of fall. Like most holidays, the initial reason for the celebration has been brushed aside or totally forgotten. The problem is, is that most of us have more than we need. So we've overlooked our need to be grateful for everything, both great and small. Think of a time in your life when a single letter, a single letter or a gift that was very precious to you, can you remember a happier, less well-off time in your life? When a simple sandwich may have seemed to you like an entire buffet? I can. Time and time and time and time again. You know, an ancient prophet asked the question, Who despises the day of small things? Zechariah 4.10 
Who despises the day of small things? If the answer is you, then apply this inspiration from your gracious Creator. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you have nothing else to be thankful for, give thanks in all circumstances. See, my prayer is that this Thanksgiving Day that we would pray for a continuous and all-encompassing thankful spirit. Remembering that no blessing is too small not to merit a big thank you. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for how you challenge us in it. Father, we are so thankful to you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, my prayer is that you would help us to see our need for a Savior. Father, that apart from you, apart from the love of Christ dying for us, apart from us receiving that, Father, we, we won't be thankful. But Father, in Christ Jesus, we have everything that we need. It's not about stuff. It's not about the things of this world. Father, it's about what you've already done in the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. How you rescued us. I pray, Father, that everyone who can hear my voice has a life-changing, rescuing experience with the living, with the, the risen, living Savior, Jesus Christ. That, Father, we would come to a place of repentance. Father, we have not been thankful. Father, we have not done the things that you've called us to do. Father, we need your mercy and your forgiveness. Father, I pray that you would save us, that you would gather us, and that you would deliver us by the power through your Son, Jesus. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.